welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about Kiwi Build version 2, or it might be version 3, but we're certainly <laughs> talking about it. Because Kiwi Build is back, but with a slightly different flavour to it. So there has just been an announcement that the government is broadening Kiwi Build and is introducing a similar scheme, but this is where they're going to underwrite and, in some cases, invest in housing developments. So... As we've talked about on the show previously, developers are finding it tougher and tougher to get pre-built finance. You know, the number of pre-sales that they have to make in order to be able to get bank finance is increasing, and some developers are finding that tough. So the government's going to come in, and they're going to underwrite some of those pre-sales so that the developer is still able to get finance so they can move forward with the development. And yeah, I'll just give some context to that. So we work with a huge amount of developers at Opus, and so often what might happen in a project where it's just one particular house, the developer will advertise it or, or we might look at it and recommend it to an investor and then an investor will say yes I'll buy that once it's finished in six months time, pay a deposit now, pay the balance at completion and then the developer goes to the bank and gets their finance. Very straightforward if it's just a one property development, one house development. Now if you're looking at a larger scale development say 10 townhouses, often the banks will want to see a number of those sold. Now pre-COVID if you had a good relationship with your bank that might be as little as 50%. They might say, well, sell five of them, we'll finance all 10, and then the other five you can sell later at completion. And the reason a developer likes that is because at completion, you tend to get more money for the property because it's there. It attracts more people, it attracts first-home buyers and home buyers that can actually walk through the property and get it. Whereas, you know, the pre-sales tend to be, you know, discounted somewhat because it's not there yet. And I think we've spoken about that previously in the show. Now, what we've seen post-COVID lockdown is that banks are very nervous and so they are maybe a bit more cautious when they're lending to someone with the name developer. And so they are asking for 80, 90 and in some cases 100% pre-sales. So one of our developers for example, who has a great product, he'd sold down I think 50% of the pre-sales in a a 40 apartment development. He was planning on keeping 10 of them himself or 8 of them himself and uh, the bank came back to him and said no you've got to sell 100% now. And so he had to go through and, and sell the other properties at discounted rates and the ones that he wanted to keep for himself because the bank wasn't going to give the funding for that project otherwise. So put a lot of stress on him because all of a sudden his profits being eroded. It was great for our investors because you know they got a cheaper deal. Now I saw on LinkedIn one commenter in the property industry had said, well this is only going to help people who aren't able to sell their products. So people who are developing and building products and buildings that aren't as popular or are at too high a prices. So people who aren't able to meet market demand. And you know, I think that's a fair comment because if we look at the history of Kiwi Builds, there were famously quite a number of properties built in Wanaka underwritten by Kiwi Build that then weren't able to be sold because there weren't first home buyers wanting to buy these sorts of properties in Wanaka. The developer hadn't met market demand and the risk here is that we as taxpayers end up underwriting this. Properties get built that are too expensive or don't meet the market and then they sit on the market for a while. Now one of the provisions, and this is bringing it back to what this means for you as an investor, is that if the developer isn't able to find a suitable Kiwi Build buyer 
for this. So a first home buyer who earns between a certain amount and has a certain deposit for this, then they're able to sell up to 25% on the open market rather than 15% as was previously the case. Now, that might sound really great because you think, oh, good, we get a good cheap property out on the open market that we're able to buy as investors and then rent out to people. But the one thing I'd just caution against is that if you see a property that's been underwritten by KiwiBuild or Kainga Aura, which is the, the new rebranded housing commission, then just make sure that that is the case. Make sure that this actually is a property that meets market demand. Make sure that this is a property that somebody else would actually want to buy and a first home buyer would have an emotional connection with. just happens that they're not there at the time or not registered for KiwiBuild. Make sure that this is the sort of property that you're able to rent because if the developer isn't able to sell it down, if the property, if the developer isn't able to move it, you just need to be able to understand why. Is it that they're not great salespeople? Is it that they're, they're not great marketers? Or is there something fundamentally wrong with this development, which is stopping it meeting market demand? Because Andrew, I know there's some stories of development selling off the plans within an hour or a day. Yeah, it's interesting because you can look at some projects like Fletcher's have been famous for it in Christchurch. They build, and I think their CEO had stupidly made a comment and it got picked up by the media, which basically said, we build something and then we see if there's a market. Now, I'm sure he probably didn't mean it quite the way it came out, but no one in their right mind would build something without knowing what the market was. And certainly you'd hope the CEO of Fletcher's knew the market before he went to build something. And then they do these big projects and then sell them at the end, and they could take a year to sell. And then, of course, properties just look stale in the market. If they sit there vacant for a year, it's not a great look. It doesn't appear as though people are crawling over broken glass to get it. Whereas, you know, we might work on some projects. For example, we had one not so long ago, there were eight townhouses. They were sold out within a couple of days. It was outrageous. Certainly if it's a bigger project, if it is a large scale project of a, say, a hundred unit apartment, I could understand that that might take a bit of time to get some momentum. And it it is a bit harder to see that if you're first home buyer, particularly because you might be a bit nervous removing money from KiwiSaver, especially if that's taken a hit over COVID, you can understand that sometimes a, a hundred unit development might not all sell off the plan. But when it's a smaller project, or if uh, you know, you're buying just one individual unit, you'd think that you'd actually be expecting to sell them. If there was enough demand for it, if it's a good investment, there'd be enough demand. That's correct. And I think the main thing that we can foresee in here is people marketing these once they've been built, if they've been underwritten, that, oh, this is going to be great because they're Kiwi built, so they're going to be cheap, they're going to be a great deal. And I just want to hazard or, or just you know flash a little warning sign that just makes sure that that's true. And that's the same with a whole heap, almost everything in property investment. You might hear something's a great deal, you might think something's a great deal, but just make sure that it actually is before you pull the trigger because there is a risk that it doesn't go the right way. There is a risk that actually these are cheap because nobody wants it that it's actually not located in the right area or it's not the sort of property that it's going to create that emotional connection. It actually needs a car park but was built without one or whatever it happens to be. Just make sure that if you think it's a good deal, it actually is a good deal. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, why not come along 
to our live in-person Property Academy podcast recorded. You've been listening for over or almost a year. Now it's time to be a part of it. We are coming to Christchurch, Wellington and Auckland in mid-September. So click or swipe over the cover art to tap on the link so you can register for your own free ticket or just go to opaspartners.co.nz slash pod event. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.